0: Praise the Lord, everyone. Good to be in the house of the Lord once again. Always excited about what God is doing and what he's going to do. So good to hear good news about folks receiving the Holy Ghost and lives being changed and hearts being restored. The greatest thing we can ever do. I think I've said this numerous times, even in the past week, the greatest investment we can ever make is to have a relationship with God. That's the greatest investment. There's nothing else greater. You can work all the jobs you want to work, and you can save up all the money you want to save up, and you can have all the treasures you want to have. But at the end of the day, the greatest investment you can ever make in this life is to have a relationship with God. The Bible lets us know that heaven and earth shall pass away. He says, but my word will not pass away. And the only way for us to establish that relationship with God, the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And we want to see souls saved. Amen. Amen. In order to see soul saves, we got to go out there and we got to do the work. Spread the word. Amen. Spread the word. And God will give the increase. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. As we continue our uh, lesson here or the series, we're wrapping this up. Restoring life to the body. If you remember a lot of the series that we've different series that we've covered, conquering your giants, putting life back into perspective, the power of Christian witnessing. And we're talking about restoring life to the body. Understand that a lot of these things are centered around us understanding who we are and what we are employed to do by God. As Christians. Amen. It's not enough just to claim the title that we are Christians, but we've got a responsibility. We've got a work that needs to be done. Amen. Restoring life to the body. We're starting with Romans chapter 12 verses one through two, and I'm going to try to move along through this uh, lesson here. So I'm going to toss out some scriptures as we go along and hopefully you can write those down um, as we as we go along. If you miss anything at the end, please let me know. I'll I'll try to get you what I have so that you have that to refer back to uh, as well. Verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. What's that next word? Holy, acceptable, y'all see that, right? Acceptable unto who? And guess what? It's your reasonable service. Verse 2 says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if you don't know the subject we are talking about today, if we're, we're going to restore life to the body. We got to be holy. We're talking about holiness. Holiness has everything to do with who we are. To be holy is to be sanctified, is to be hollowed or set apart, sacred and free from sin and all impurities. It represents both, a state of both moral and spiritual perfection. The Bible lets us know that we ought to be perfect even as our Father in heaven is perfect. Well, how do we achieve that? By not being contaminated by sin. The misconception is that holiness just pertains to an outward appearance. You know, something that you wear, an article of clothing, and while it does include that, it does not begin with what you wear. This is why it's so important when we are trying to win folks and we're trying to encourage folks coming into church, we got to watch how we approach newborn babes. We barely get them in the church and we're trying to get them to look the part, but we haven't dealt with what's on the inside. Because what's on the inside should reflect on the outside. Amen. When you start putting the skirt and the dress on the woman. but You got to understand what's going on on the inside. If they're immodest on the inside, then the outside is going to be immodest regardless of what they wear. Amen. And the same is true, vice versa. If you modest and holy on the inside, then you shouldn't be showing everything on the outside. Amen. The Bible declares that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is the condition that we inherited. I was talking Wednesday night and we talked a little bit about over the past couple of weeks about the beginning and the introduction of sin and how it's important to understand the condition that we are in. We inherited that from the moment that we come into existence. Because of the decision that Adam and Eve made, we inherited that. Whether we actually committed the sin or not, we have that nature. We have the potential to sin automatically. We can look at the condition of our world and we can look at folks and say, oh, I can't believe they did that. I can. That's the results of sin. And any one of us is capable of of being in that condition. We inherited this from our forefather, Adam. If you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll begin with verse 45. And we'll be going down to verse 49. So glad that everybody bought their swords. So good to see every all of God's soldiers armed and ready. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45 through 49. And so it is written: "The first man made or Adam, was made a living soul." The last Adam was made a quickening spirit, howbeit that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, so he's earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven, as is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. Everybody get that, right? And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. We're going to hit a couple of verses through here. So if you just hang with me as we go through this journey talking about holiness It's important that we understand where we begin because a lot of folks are under the impression that they can make themselves holy. Some people are convinced that by having a certain title or pedigree, by having certain titles to their name or certain accomplishments or achievements that, you know, certain status that. That declares them to be holy. And if you look, the Pharisees had this issue. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Who was the first man? Right? The earthy, right? And death by sin, so death passed upon some people. And then there it is for that all have sinned for until the law. Sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed. Sin couldn't be judged because there was no law. Nevertheless, verse 14, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after even if the uh, excuse me, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude or the similarity. Of Adam's transgression, who is, speaking of Adam, the figure of him that was to come. I'm talking about Jesus. Amen? So basically, what Paul is saying in these two passages of scripture that we just finished reading he says, Because we have come from Adam the earthly side, we have inherited this condition, this sinful state. Even if we did not sin after the similarity of Adam, we still take on that nature. So we needed a second Adam to come, which was Jesus. And then when we talk about taking on the image of Christ, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, except a man be born again of order and of the spirit, he shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven, right? right? In other words, if you want to make it, if you say you're a follower of me, you got to be born again. Right. Now, we know that. We understand that. We understand what the new birth process is, you know, what, what you got to do to be born again. You know, water and the spirit. Make sure you repent, because if you don't repent before you get baptized, it really does no good. You just got wet. Took a free bath. (laughs) But in order to be cleansed from the impurities of sin, we must be washed and renewed. However, we cannot purge our own sins. We need something or someone else who is uncontaminated that can remove the reproach of sin from our lives and it is through the washing of regeneration that we are made holy the blood of jesus purges us from our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness god is holy and he requires his people to be holy leviticus chapter 11 verses 44 through 45 you don't have to turn it but you can write it down you got Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 through 45, Leviticus 20 and 7, Leviticus 20 and 26, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. I know it's a little too fast. I'll give it to you again. Leviticus chapter 11, verses 44 through 45 trying to save myself some time here you can go back and look at these but they all pretty much say the same thing leviticus chapter 20 verse 7 verse 7 excuse me in the same chapter verse 26 leviticus 20 so you got leviticus 20 verse 7 and verse 26 Then you have 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. Did anybody miss any of those? 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. Everybody got it? All right. And believe you me, there are a whole lot more scriptures in there that give the same message. Which makes it very clear that God requires us to be holy. Notice he didn't say have holiness. (laughs) He said be holy. But what I like about it is he gave us a measurement of. Of what kind of holiness to aspire towards. He says, be ye holy even as. So now when we talk about a holy God. It puts things in a whole different perspective because holiness is not based upon how you see it. We got too many folks in the church now that's trying to live life for God on their own terms. And then wonder why you're not blessed. Wonder why you're not getting anywhere spiritually. Wonder why you're being attacked and you feel like you're going under. Well, maybe you need to change up your tactics and your strategy and realize you can't live for God on your own terms. It's based upon what's acceptable to God. Amen? Amen. Folks don't want to go to church because they don't want to listen to the pastor. God put that in place. Tell you, like Moses said, you're getting mad at the wrong person. It's not my law. I didn't set this up. God set it up. And he set it up because he knew it would be necessary. You upset because the things is happening and the things that the preacher is saying is something that you need to hear to correct your life. Y'all with me? God is holy. So if we profess to be his children, then we must be what? Holy. Because we can't accomplish this on our own, God provided the regenerating experience, the water and spirit baptism to cleanse us from and empower us to abstain from the contamination of sin. Leviticus chapter 22 Verse 32, he says, I am the Lord which hollow you. That's Leviticus chapter 22, verse 32. He says, I am the Lord which hollow you or make you holy or set you apart. I'm the one that does that. Y'all remember 1 Peter, right? 1 Peter chapter 2. Leviticus chapter 22. All right, Leviticus chapter 22, verse 32. I apologize if I'm going a little too fast for y'all. I know. Leviticus chapter 22, verse 32. And y'all think that's something. I be sitting there trying to take my notes and my hand be hurting because I be like, Lord, I'm trying to keep up. So I understand. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Amen. Second Peter chapter two, verse nine, he says, but ye are a chosen generation. Isn't it good to be chosen? Y'all remember when you, if you ever played, you know, softball or whatever game, you know, back in the day, and they would always say, okay, we're going to get the team captains. And, you know, you got your two team captains and everybody got to choose. And y'all just standing in this line and you waiting for somebody to choose you. And you hate to be the last person. Standing, Because that's exactly what happens. Well, I, he the last one. So we'll take him. Like that was some special choice right there. You're the last one. I ain't got no choice but to take you. I've been trying to avoid it the whole time. But people want to be chosen. You want to be the first one because that meant you, you know what to do. Well, you're going to help us win today. Yeah, I got Vincent showing up because we're going to win this today. Exactly. We want to be chosen. Isn't it good to know that God has chosen you? Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. In all of the world, God chose you. And what's even better about it is before he laid eyes on you as a manifested being, he still chose you. Right. See, we choose based upon what we see. You know, we got conditions on how we choose. Right. But God is no respecter of persons. I love it. He chose ragged raggedy me. Yeah. Yeah. But the Bible says he made everything beautiful in his time. Yeah. I think I'm getting there. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Thank God for His choice. I'm messing with y'all, but God is good. I I really I'm really glad that God chose me because He could have left me destitute. He could have left me fending, left me stranded out there in the world trying to figure out where where I'm going. But thank God. Man. Whoo. He saw a little old me in this whole world and said, yep, come on, i got something for you. (laughs) Well, Jesus, (laughs) you are a chosen generation. No matter how short you are, you are a chosen generation. All those tall folks (laughs) who Amen, I'm (laughs) I'm all right. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A peculiar people. there's one part in there between those two, and it says you are a holy nation. Brothers and sisters, it's no wonder why the world don't like us. We've been called out of the world. The world can't comprehend why we live and believe the way we do. But I can tell you this much. What's more confusing is when the church ain't living it and trying to blend in knowing that you've been called out. A a holy nation of peculiar people that you should do what? Show forth the praises of him. What did Jesus say in Matthew? Let your light so shine before men that they may do what? got to have some evidence you know what the evidence of god's existence is your works him operating through us If we don't show it how can the world see it everybody's putting god on trial but you know what the evidence comes through the lives of his people amen he said i'm not giving y'all no special signs anymore You got enough right before you. Miracles are being performed. Folks are being, you know, laying hands on folks and you see lives and lives are being changed. People are being healed. People are being raised from the dead. Explain that. The Pharisees couldn't even explain it. The only thing they had to do was admit, we know ain't nobody got that kind of authority but God. Now, he told us, he says, these things and greater things shall ye do. He says, you'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And whatever was intended for you, I know he said if you drink any deadly thing, but in, in essence, it, whatever was intended for your harm and for your destruction is not going to prosper. That's why he says when the enemy comes in like a flood. Don't worry about it. Don't get fretful. Don't lose your ground. Don't start compromising. Just because the world is wicked, they don't know no other way to be but wicked. But you stand your ground. You stand on what you know is true because I'm going to lift up a standard. Holiness. Holiness is a component of worship. You cannot worship God without holiness. God is holy and we are instructed to worship him in the beauty of holiness. How many people know that holiness is beautiful? Holiness is beautiful. In fact, in the midst of the ugly condition of our world that we live in, holiness is the only beauty worth pursuing. Can I say this I you know I I know we don't have that issue here but when you have women who feel like they got to cake stuff up on their face and hang all kinds of jewelry from their ears and just look all kinds of ways to decorate themselves to make them look more beautiful you got to be blinded by the enemy God knew what he was doing when he formed you in the first place So if God, if it's good to God and if it's beautiful to God, when he looks at it and says, this is my finished product for you, who are we to take it upon ourselves to change and manipulate it? I'm so tired of hearing folks in church, well, I got to put this on because I got a little blemish. Let God handle that. you trying to put foundation on the cover up. Who are you trying to impress? Well, you got men putting on makeup. What is the point? And this is, but like I always tell y'all, I'm not talking about the, I'm not targeting the world because the world is going to be the world. But when we have this stuff going on in the church body, right. it's no wonder why we have dead. I'm coming to the house of God. The last thing I should be worried about is wasn't you looking at my mole. <laughs> it's the truth. Some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, but it's the truth. You got old, oh, listen, if you is 60, now I mean this respectfully now because I got, <laughs> but I got to say it. You 60 and you 70, you shouldn't the last thing you should be worried about is start putting some foundation on to make yourself look younger Now, I know I'm a young person, I got it. I know one day I'm gonna get old, and I'm okay with that. My children we sit there and we joke, but I got you know my hair is thinning on the you know top of my head right in the center. I see it. I, I know notice changes that's happening, but I accept it. I'm all right with it. I get old for a reason. I don't understand why we got old folks still trying to be young. Well, then who's teaching and who's leading? Can't go to grandma no more. Remember when grandma used to tell you, girl, you better stay in church. Don't you leave church. Now they're in the club right along with the granddaughter. Trying to get a date. You know, go home somewhere and pray. Get your Bible. I'm not trying to be ugly, I'm just trying to be truthful. I got to move along. Holiness is beautiful. And we're going to talk about some components of holiness. Just some, because I I believe, I mean, there's so many things you can talk about with holiness. But one of the things I believe holiness encompasses is charity. Charity is another word for love. Love is not an emotion. I'm so sick of people trying to refer to love as something that you feel. Because sometimes you don't, if that's the case, then we in a world of mess. I fell out of love. How you fall out of love? Hey. That's like telling me you fell out of a moving car because you got to pull a handle before you just fall out. Emotions are volatile, generally inconsistent and contingent upon situations and circumstances. In a lot of cases, emotions are unreliable. You don't know how you're going to react to some things. <laughs> but love is consistent. Love only comes from one source. And that is God himself. Let me make this clear. If you don't know God and you ain't living for God, you don't know what love is. I don't care what the world says. There's a it is a there's a way to be affectionate towards someone. But love is not about your emotions or affections. That's why you should be able to love your enemies. See, I know this is a little too rough for some people, but the truth is what's going to make you free. You sitting there and you trying to debate whether or not you love your husband or your wife. You got a problem. Because God is love. And if you say you are a lover of God. Then there should be no question about it. We all have people that, you know, may not treat us the right way. But at the end of the day. There should not be one child of God that ever comes out of their mouth with they hate someone. If anything that we are encouraged to hate is sin. But not the sinner. God himself even loves the sinner. Some of us belligerent jokers who don't want to listen to him all the time either. God is speaking, and sometimes we just got a deaf ear, and we thinking about everything else and doing what we want to do, and God is still loving us. I appreciate that about my God. John, 1 John 4, lets us know God is love. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 lets us know that the fruit of the Spirit, the first thing in there, is love. In other words, if you have the Spirit of God, that's what it's going to produce. Love. Look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verse four through eight. And I apologize because I know I'm just skipping over some of the scriptures, but. Hopefully you're getting the references down. First Corinthians chapter 13. Verses four through eight. And I want you all to know I love y'all. I'm just a messenger. First Corinthians chapter 13 verses four through eight. charity charity does not suffer for a long time it's, it depends on what's going on that's that's a different translation okay that's the new world translation okay charity suffereth long and is kind You shouldn't be a rude Christian. You <laughs> listen. You wake up on the wrong side of the bed. You might want to go back to bed and get up on the right side. Best thing to do is go drop down on your knees. Lord, it's the wrong side of the bed. Help me. Help me get right. The first person to say somebody lying to me right now, it ain't gonna go good. So help me, Lord. I want to be kind, not rude. I don't want to have rude things to say. I don't Listen, I do not get this, y'all. But if you're a Christian, there's no Christian that should be cussing nobody. You almost made me cuss. Then that means that you wasn't living for God right in the first place. Because out of the abundance of the heart, what's in your heart? What's in your heart? Well Charity envieth not. Charity does not vaunt itself, is not puffed up, is not prideful. Verse five doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Some folks, you get cut off in traffic. I told my wife, I said, there's been plenty of times I've been wanting to pray, Lord, let them get stopped by the cops. (laughs) So a few years ago, I told my wife, I said, yeah, I said, my remedy for that is I just put up the cross in Jesus name. God bless you. No, I can't I can't do that out there. That it's still in the wrong attitude. But but the bottom line is at some point, as a child of God, as a Christian, I gotta consider even if I pray the wrong prayer, does that exhibit kindness or rudeness? In God's eyesight. If I'm praying for somebody to get stopped to get a ticket, this is what I always think. <clears throat> If I pray that prayer, I wonder if anybody pray that prayer for me. Do unto others as you would (laughs) have them do unto you. Think it's no evil. That takes a lot because we are inclined to think. And oh, by the way, we are surrounded by nothing but negativity and evil. So it's that much easier. Easy access to what's evil. You ask somebody to come up with a list of good stuff versus bad stuff, I'm pretty sure it's going to be an imbalance because naturally we're inclined to think evil or we're inclined to think negatively. You ever go for a, a test and the doctor says you got to take a test because we think there's something going on and we want to find out what it what we'll start entering your mind about what's going on. You start thinking all kinds of stuff. Man, there's a lump. Oh, let me start looking. Oh, see, right there. I could have cancer. You start speaking stuff over your life. Why? We are naturally inclined to start thinking the negative stuff. But that ain't nothing but the enemy, y'all. People start becoming afraid of stuff that's going on. But, you know, the Bible says perfect love All right, i got to hasten here. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth some things. Charity never faileth. They can be prophecies. They shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away but charity the bible says never faileth so how can you have how can you be holy without having love the bible lets us know that god is love amen holiness encompasses truth a misconception that many people have is that truth is relative in the world of physics albert einstein developed a theory known as the theory of relativity which says that the way that anything except light moves listen to this The way that anything except light moves through time and space depends on the position and movement of someone who is watching. Did y'all get that? I'm going to say it again. The theory of relativity says that the way that anything except the light, anything that moves through time and space, depends on the position and movement of the person that is watching. It represents the state of being dependent for existence on or determined in nature, value, or quality by relation to something else. Now, why did I tell you that? Because if you apply that concept to truth, then you end up with different truths. If we base truth off of the person who is watching, then we start getting into Different perspectives, which is why we have the challenges we have today, even in the body of Christ is still divided because people don't have a good grasp on what is truth. As many as you have people, you have different interpretations, you have different conclusions and different applications, which is why some people feel like I don't have to go to church. I don't have to have a pastor. I had a conversation with somebody just the other day and I asked them simple question. When's the last time you've been to church? And the response they gave me said, well, I have my own way. It may not seem right to everybody else, but I have my own way. Well, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. Unfortunately, the end of that way is death. Can I ask you something? I'm just going to plug this in here. I know this is my last time, the last opportunity to tease this for right now. But I'm just going to ask you something. What if God compensated us based upon how much we gave him? What if the blessings, and I'm talking about just across the board, the blessings, And the favor of God was contingent upon how much we devoted ourselves to Him. So today, you're going to get in a wreck. And because you didn't pray, you're going to end up in the hospital. You might make it. I didn't keep you today because you didn't pray. Can you imagine? How devastating that would be? Think about it. Look, I'm just trying to encourage y'all as a body. If we want this body to be effective in the things of God, then we've got to understand that God has some requirements. And we've got to make an effort to live up to those requirements. We got too many things going on in the body of Christ. Folks are divided. People got bad attitudes. People can't live for God half straight. What is the problem? What is so important in this life that we can't get connected to God like we need to? Is your attitude worth going to hell? Do you know the word of God don't need our interpretation for it to be true? Facts in life depend on absolutes to validate the facts but truth remains truth even in the absence of facts truth remains truth and guess what ladies and gentlemen brothers and sisters god has given us truth in his word It is up to us to choose to follow after his word. There's there's other things I had in here, but I mean, you know, <clears throat> one of the things I want to touch on. I, I didn't have the time here to really go into it, but, you know, holiness encompasses faith. Holiness encompasses modesty. Modesty is one of those things that's misconstrued. Everybody thinks modesty is on the outward. Do you know the essence of modesty? Really? There's a word that's synom- synonymous with Modesty, and that's the word humility. Jesus says, if any man come after me, he must deny himself. The essence of modesty is total submission to God. Because if you're totally submitted to God, guess what you're going to do? You're going to conform to his image. And whatever it is that's pleasing to God, that's what you're going to do. So when God says, I don't want you wearing this, you're going to do it because of your relationship with God. When God says, I don't want you speaking this, you're going to do it because of your relationship with God. Amen. That's the essence of modesty. The outward is going to be a reflection of what's going on on the inside. Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you know, y'all are hypocrites because you're trying to make the outside of the mug, the cup clean, and you're not even cleaning on the inside. Now, who want to drink out of a dirty cup? Is the cup clean just because the outside of the cup is clean? I'm pretty sure if you came to my house and I offered you a dirty mug and said, well, it's clean on the outside. You, <laughs> you probably leave my house to talk about me, but <laughs> I ain't want to offend him, but he gave me a dirty cup. Well, how we think God feel when we offer a dirty mess on the inside and then expect him to accept it just because we look good on the outside? Amen. Brothers and sisters, I love y'all. But I love the word more. And I love what God is doing. And I believe there's some great things he has in store. We just have to we got to live, y'all. We can't just survive. As a body, we got to live because there's a work to be done. And the dead people can't work. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. We're going to close. I went over a few minutes. My apologies. Lord, keep us, Lord. Help us to continue to live. But you gave us abundant life, God. You said we would have life and that abundantly and so lord we ask that you would help us to walk in that abundant life as your people let your perfect will be done and we give your name the praise in jesus name listen god bless you let's take a break and let's come back for a dynamic service in jesus name